Welcome to the Fellowship College Podcast. We are here in the booth for another episode. Hopefully, y'all have been following along with us so far. Uh, it's been it's been a fun one. It's been a fun ride so far. We kind of have dipped our toes into what some would deem as controversial. And today, we're kind of just diving in. And so before we get to our, our topic for today, I was thinking about this. We have a very talented college team here. You can you can tell just uh, if you spend some time with this team, very, very gifted team. <laughs> but I, I don't care about the gifts that we all see. Like, I don't care if you can play the keys and sing Tamil or if you have the entire, <laughs> entire book of Ephesians memorized or whatever Eileen does something, something about science. Thanks. I'm not sure. <laughs> discipleship, the queen, the queen of okay. discipleship. <laughs> I don't care about those gifts. I want to know some hidden talents, like the secret gifts that you're like, man, this is something I'm very, very good at that. Nobody really knows about. So what are some of y'all's secret hidden talents that we can reveal for the first time here? Um, I am pretty good at figure skating. Yeah. What? I pretty Okay, this is a time we <laughs> humility humility was last podcast. We don't care about humility anymore. How good at, at figure skating are you? Um, I competed when I was in elementary and middle school. That's great. Anybody can compete. I okay, want to know okay. about ribbons, trophies, medals. Guys, oh, this is this is a really um, sensitive topic for me, but I never got first place. I always got second place. Um, always a bridesmaid. Never. <laughs> <laughs> Yeesh. <laughs> Tough. Hey. <laughs> but um, like a year ago, I went to an open skate for the first time and um, I was just, you know, having fun while everyone was doing their little circle laps with the- Can the you ski- Ski. Can, you, can you skate backwards? Yes. I can still do some of the jumps. The spins are pretty rocky. Um, no. What about quads? Um, I don't know what that is. Well, it's a I new think thing. you just made that up. No, it was a new thing in this last Olympics that some, oh. of, the, some of the men were doing. Mm, yeah. I, mm, it was crazy. I don't have that. But um, Could you do an iron lotus? I don't know what that is. Are, is that are you sure these are real? I think that's from Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> No, it's from, it's from Blades of Blades Glory. Of Talking about Will Ferrell oh, movies okay. earlier. Oh, yes. Okay, book out. What's your what's your talent? Yeah, so Eileen's the queen of the north. Um, mm, that's hails so from Michigan. All things amazing, Michigan. So that's unsurprising. Um, I'm I'm a hometown boy here in Northwest Arkansas. <laughs> grew up on a farm. My hidden talent is that I can rope cattle very well. <laughs> So for those of you who don't know what roping cattle or cows Go means, watch the movie City Slickers. Go watch City. It's on Netflix. I actually saw it oh, last good. night. Yeah. Oh, um, you watched it no, last no, night? No, no. I just oh, saw okay, it. Okay. It was on Netflix. No, it is where you're riding a horse and you run after a cow who's running away from you and you have a rope in your hand and you throw the rope at the cow and you catch it and stop him. And sometimes you jump off the horse and tie up his feet. Are there competitions for this? There are competitions, Did and you, I competed until what? I was into high school. Yeah. Did you have more first places than Eileen? Okay. Uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> okay, so here's here maybe highlights the secret talent part. The first one I ever competed in, the first competition, I was eight years old, and I won first. I love that. Thank you. Okay, who Thank are you, you competing against? Yeah, other like, eight-year-olds? Eight yeah. 
or like isn't that how that competitions much. go? You okay, compete against well, people who are in the same. Part. I was well, competing against thirty-year-olds. Well, okay, that would be creepy. <laughs> you clarified I was eight, so I didn't know if there was like an age range of like eight to twelve-year-olds. Yeah. Because yes. if yeah. you won twelve Juniors. against twelve-year-olds, that would be he was in the open division. Okay, okay, cool. That's, cool. that's a great time. <laughs> I love. You. We we got a uh, kind of some geographic talents here. Yeah. Is your from being from Colorado? Are, is yours a geographic talent? No, Thank not you. at all. I don't even know if I would actually call this a talent. Um, it's just maybe a weird fun fact. We're here for it. <laughs> um, but I have like not a photographic memory, but is that how you say it? Photographic. I mean, I think it's photogenic. Pho- no. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> my mind is my mind is very photogenic. Uh, <laughs> photographic is correct. You said it. Yeah. yeah. Actually, okay. correct. Yeah. Great. Perfect. Um. But but it's very specific. I can remember what people were wearing on specific days. What did I wear at our college team meeting last Wednesday? You didn't have a college team meeting last Wednesday. <gasps> wow. Photo photogenic. <laughs> <laughs> Joanna, that's Wait, great. She but remembers what yesterday. people wear, which is kind of photogenic. You weren't too far off. Photographic and photogenic. But yesterday, Josh was wearing a gray hoodie dry fit kind of thing. Yeah. And then Eileen was wearing also a gray hoodie, which is crazy and a camo hat. And Jacob was wearing a red sweater with With a hanger hanger on it. it. I remember that. And Graham was wearing a Razorbacks. A button up. Yeah. Yeah. That's spot on. That's that great good. if anyone gets abducted or like murdered, you know? Oh. It's like, oh, what what was the the person wearing? Oh, I got it. Like, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. 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 Okay. I can like, just like I can just like flash back to the photo in my brain of like us sitting around the table and like remember what everyone was wearing. That's impressive. So but this, it's just what everyone was wearing. Like okay, I was nothing just gonna else. Say, yeah. This like, gift is specific to clothing. Yeah, Stylish. It's so weird. So weird. Josh, what's yours? Guys, I'm struggling here. I don't I don't have that many secret talents. Here's one I'll say. I haven't used this talent in a long time. But in high school. And, and partly into college, I would have considered myself a rapper. <laughs> yeah. Like, not just like, oh, yeah, I know some Eminem songs, which he's my favorite, by the way. Of course. Oh, Detroit. <laughs> Look at that. Detroit. little Michigan yeah, shout yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, not just, oh, yeah, I, I, I know some rap songs. But I would spend hours writing my own raps. And at one point, I even tried to, like, create beats for it. And I would write my own raps. And one of them is on YouTube. That's the only spoiler I'm going to say. I'm not going to tell you how to find it, what it's called, what my YouTube uh, channel is called, but there is one rap video of me wearing a wife beater. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. Wearing a wife beater, (laughs) rapping a song that I wrote and performed. And it has dozens of views. So it shouldn't be too hard to find. (laughs) It may even be up to triple digits at some point. So that's incredible. I need a mixtape. I need it. I need you to share that. We'll put it, we'll put it in the show notes. Maybe if we're feeling, if we're feeling good. Anyway, we've already taken up way too much time talking about our, our hidden talents. If ministry doesn't work out for us, or if we get canceled after this episode, then we know we've got some, some good fallback to, to go to. And so, like I said, we're kind of diving in to a topic that Again, the church has often either been silent about or has really handled really poorly. And so today's episode might not be as as witty 
or as funny or as lighthearted as some of the other episodes. But that's because we want to take this very seriously. And so today we're going to talk about the, the issue of, of homosexuality, same-sex attraction, and, and how that plays into the church, into the Christian life, into God's view of sexuality. And so our goal today is we want to do this in a way that's that's humble, that's full of grace, that's full of truth. And so uh, I know that this is a topic for anyone listening out there that can fill you with a lot of anger or anxiety or shame. And so please, please, please know that if we say anything that that offends you or that comes across uh, hateful or anything like that, please, we have an open door here. So please come talk to us. And so, but we, but we do want to handle God's word well and appropriately, but also be people that are filled with love and, and treat people the way that Christ did. And so I think we should start, I think the best way to start here is just talking about sexuality in general. What is sexuality? What is God's view of sexuality? All those things. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good, <clears throat> excuse me, a good spot to start uh, just because any anything that we're going to talk about in this topic is just a subcategory of that. Um, and a lot of times whenever I think about getting into a specific topic like this, um, I always like to start, okay, what is God's design? Uh, I kind of do some, what people call theology proper. So you go to God, who he is, what he's like and how he created things. Um, and there's actually a guy who, um, is a, uh, he's a sex addiction therapist. Um, he's a clinician. He wrote a really good book that I've led guys through that I've read a few times myself called unwanted. Um, and it's specifically a book on, um, I guess most specifically sexual addiction, but he covers the first half is just sexuality. And I love how he describes sexuality um, because I think a lot of times it can be easy for us in the culture that we live in. Whenever we think the term sexuality, we just think of the act of sex and like the physical part of it, but it's actually a lot more encompassing than that. And uh, he kind of describes it as it's this, um, this dual aspect of us where we have needs and certain types of dependence on others that need to be met. And then we also have a responsibility of relating to and how we relate to others. So it's kind of like this give and take. And as we grow up, we're basically supposed to mature in both of those categories. Whereas really young, our dependence is very high on people. Like we have to have these things. And as we mature, that decreases and we are able to relate to others um, more intimately, more vulnerably and more maturely. And whenever those things get out of balance, speaking from the book, uh, that's where some of these issues in sexuality come from. But I love how he describes it like that because it encompasses not just the physical, uh, but it's the it's the emotional, it's the spiritual, it's attraction, it's all of it. Uh, and so whenever we're talking about sexuality, it is all encompassing. It's not just this physical act. Um, but going back to kind of that theology proper aspect. Um, we're, uh, or whenever we look at God creating all things, he creates things very specifically. It's recorded very specifically in the scriptures for us. Genesis one through three is this amazing literary piece, uh, describing purpose and function and, and it's very specific and, th- and thought through, and it is very specific in sexuality, describing sexuality. Uh, and I know we're going to get into just, yeah, we can, all, I mean, we can talk over. about that. I think that a lot of people want to hear about, about that foundation specifically in Genesis yeah. one through three. And yeah, so totally. well, I'll, yeah, I'll stick to that 
as I'm, as I just think through, Hey, what is God's design in sexuality? And whenever we look at Genesis one, two first chapters of, uh, the scriptures, God creating all things in Genesis one 27, uh, it says that God created humankind in his own image, in the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them and he blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Uh, and so the authors of Genesis, specifically record God both creating male and female, two genders, uh, and in order to represent him. And then one of the first things that he tells them to do is to be fruitful and multiply or else have kids fill the earth. And so you get this picture of sexuality in, in both genders and then in part of how sexual or the, the end as to what sexuality is supposed to bring. One of those ends being procreation, having children. You jump to Genesis 2, and it's it's another, it's kind of a zoomed in on the creation of male and female. And it says, the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a companion who corresponds to him. Uh, and then he goes through and he says, this is, he, ma- he made woman. And the man said in response to this, this one, referring to, to the woman, to the female that God has made, uh, is at last bones of my bones, flesh of my flesh. This one will be called woman for she is taken out of man. That's why a man leaves his father and mother and unites to his wife. They become a new family and the man and his wife were both naked and they were not ashamed. And so this part of the story zooms in on the fact that God created male and female, not just to represent him and to procreate, uh, but in order to have this really unique relationship with each other. Uh, Whenever he says they were naked and unashamed, it's this picture of they are bearing their sexuality in front of each other uh, physically. And it's supposed to represent this kind of ultimate vulnerability of knowing each other fully and being accepted. Timothy Keller talks a lot uh, about that. And so man and woman were made to complement each other. Um, and that complementing um, again, refers to beginning new families. That's part of it. Um, and some translations it's you become one flesh. And so there's this union that happens in the physical act of sex. That's supposed to, uh, enhance this type of relationship and this experience. Uh, and so that's really kind of the, from the very beginnings groundwork, for sexuality, according to how God has uh, both designed it and then intentionally communicated it to us. It's a very intimate relational thing where we experience him and we experience others according to this specific design. Yeah, that's really good. And I think whenever we're having these conversations, and if you're listening to this and, and you're already disagreeing with us uh, on on where we where we land on sexuality and God's design for marriage and romantic relationships, I would just encourage you, please, please keep listening. Please don't, don't cancel us yet. Don't turn this off yet. I really do think we're going to try and walk uh, this road that, that maybe be, might be freeing for a lot of people. And we want, we do want to address where the church has, has got gone off and has gotten this really wrong in the way that we've treated uh, people that have same-sex attraction or who consider themselves gay or lesbian or any anywhere in the LGBTQ community. So don't don't just shut this off yet. We're, we're getting there. But we do want to lay a foundation of, as Christians, speaking to mainly Christians, that's kind of what we're assuming this podcast is for. This is where we plant our flag. I think we're going to talk about where we see the word 
homosexuality in in the New Testament. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. But ultimately, when we're having this conversation, we're going to continue to go back to Genesis 1 and 2. We're going to continue to go back to God's design for marriage, one man, one woman, becoming one flesh with a purpose to to reproduce for for eternity. And if you want to want to see Paul and Jesus actually both point back to Genesis 1 and 2 when they're talking about these relationships, when they're talking about marriage. And so both Jesus and Paul continue to point back to to Genesis. And so a lot of people ask questions and there's a lot of controversy controversy over passages like 1 Corinthians 6 and 1 Timothy 1 where this word, I'm going to botch it, I'm not a Greek scholar, but this Greek word, arsenikoite, right? We're just going to pretend I said it right. (laughs) That sounded great. Arsenikoite, you just got to say it with confidence. That's, That's all it's about, is used only two times in the New Testament. And the literal translation means male bed. In context, both in 1 Corinthians 6 and 1 Timothy 1, Paul is listing kind of these things of, of people that uh, that won't inherit the kingdom of heaven or that are doing things that are against God's design and against God's will. And so before we just single out this one word, our Senecoite, I want you to see the whole list. We're, we're just going to look at 1 Corinthians 6 really quick because I think a lot of us end up getting put into this this net. We like to single out uh, the the gay community in in this and and use this verse like bash people over the head with. But I think this this passage should actually cause a lot of us to to take a step back in in humility. He says, "Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God?" This is First Corinthians six, starting in verse nine. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, that's that word, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkards, nor the revilers, nor the swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And so instead of just saying, wow, look at look at what God says through Paul about homosexuality, this should be a really humbling humbling passage for a lot of us that, well, look at the ways that that we all are taking what God's design is and twisting it. As Jacob says, God invented sexuality. God invented romantic, intimate relationships. He invented sex. And what Paul is saying is, here are some ways where we so easily take that good gift and, and twist it and manipulate it and change it to, to fit our own desires. Every single person, Christian or non-Christian, has these desires that go against God's design. And what Paul is saying here is, like, let's talk about those things. Let's address those things. And so if you're listening and you are would, would either say you're same-sex attracted or you'd say you're a part of the LGBTQ community, uh, we want you to know that Anything we say here about homosexuality and when we're talking about homosexuality being a, a, a twist of God's good design and, and changing God's design for sexuality, we are also 
lumping ourselves in into that category saying, yes, this is a sin, right? I might get canceled for saying that, but we're, we're saying, yes, this is a sin, but it's no worse and it's no different than any other sin that that me and you struggle with and and that me and you partake in. Yeah. Yeah, and we sorry, Ali, we might just to add in on that. We we'll get into this um, I think in a little bit, but also there's a nuance and difference between uh, someone who experiences same sex attraction and someone who practices um, same sex sexual behavior. Yeah. Definitely. So it's it's basically it's like you are live like whenever Paul's referring to this here is people who are living out a same sex sexual behavior lifestyle, not just that you might be same sex attracted. Those are two very different things, in my opinion, and a lot of people's opinions. Same sex attraction that is not that is not sinful. That's it's a different type of category than. Uh, acting out on something. So I just want to throw that in there. I mean, sure let's, let's go there. I think a lot of people would benefit from that conversation. So t- talk to me about same sex attraction, just as a, as a desire, or if you want to call it a temptation or even to use, use different language when people say I was born this way, or even to say, I have these inclinations. What do we do with that? Yeah, that's a good question. And I'd love to hear Eileen and Joanna, your thoughts uh, yeah. on this too. Um, from, from what I, from people that I've interacted with and just like ask people who would fall into this category. And then from people who I've read a lot of, just cause my background growing up, I didn't have a lot of experience, um, even just in this conversation. Uh, but yeah, difference being if somebody experiences, uh, same sex attraction, it is that, okay, they are generally uh, predisposed to be attracted, obviously to the same sex. So woman to woman, male to male, uh, it does not mean it's like this, um, like ferocious desire to just like have sex with like, if I'm a guy to have sex with a guy, it is like, as I am heterosexual, I'm opposite sex attracted. It's, I am generally attracted to females. Um, yeah, that's basically just, that's what same sex attraction is. And it is not something that is a choice. I think this is one of those things where the church historically in the U S specifically has really gotten off track whenever talking about this is this idea that like, Oh, if you are same sex attracted or you you're gay just, and you're, and you're trying to follow Jesus, just stop being that. Yeah. That um, is, that is not at all (laughs) what, what that is. It would, it would be, it would literally be like telling me for some reason to just stop being attracted to women. It's like, that's not how that works. So whenever, whenever you hear the terms like, Hey, I was born this way, like from an early age, like I've, it's been like this, that is like an actual biological thing that's happening. Yeah. And it's not something to just be like turned off and on. Um, and again, but, but then the difference is, okay, well, how are you going to pursue that? And so if somebody's like, Hey, I love Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. I believe that he is who he says he is. I'm going to bend my knee. He's the King. And you experience same sex attraction. It's like I, I've met people and I've talked with people and I've listened to people explain how how that plays out. Some people, for some people, it is they just live a celibate life. Yep. They're not going to pursue marriage in any kind because they're not attracted to the opposite sex. They don't want to go that way. 
but they want to follow Jesus, and so they're going to be celibate. Some people end up in uh, what's called mixed orientation marriages, where uh, it is a man and a woman who come together, and let's say the woman is same-sex attracted. Uh, she still has, obviously, some attraction for her husband, and she is committed to him in that covenantal marriage relationship, but the the attraction to women is not gone. And so that's why it's called mixed orientation. Uh, and so those are just like a couple of ways of people that I've heard you know, they experience this and they commit to following Jesus. And that's how it gets played out because they want to faithfully, physically live that out. Um, but yeah, girls, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Oh gosh. Um, I have so many thoughts, but I think I want to start with in the past, the way that the church has sometimes handled this is, Oh, you're gay. Okay. Let's try and convert you back to, to being straight. Yeah. Let's, we got to fix you. Yeah. And I, I just want to apologize for that. Um, I do not think that is the way that we should have gone about that um, at all. And I think going back to, um, the, um, clarification of like same sex attraction versus, um, actively practicing a homosexual lifestyle, um, we, uh, if we are defining homosexual relationships as sinful, um, then we also are looking at, okay, there are other sins that human beings fall into. So just like that list of sins that, that Josh just read in, in that passage, no human being is immune to sin. And, and we are all, um, a, a part of like living in sinful ways. And so, um, just because you have temptations in homosexuality, which is what we're talking about today, but again, this goes for all temptations in every type of sin category, um, that doesn't mean you are excluded from the church <laughs> because the church is the body of Christ. And as human beings, we all suffer from temptation. We are all sinful. We are all broken. And so I think sometimes the church, well, no, the, the church has in the past and still today um, has been very exclusive in, oh, like it, you're gay. Okay. You're not welcome here. Made them feel less than. Yes. Or like separate, you know, mm. like, oh, like those people over there. Um, and, and I think that um, has been emphasized in our culture, like homosexuality. I mean, I think within the church, but then also it is just a huge part of our culture right now. Um, and so I think that, um, yes, the church has emphasized that, whereas they have maybe, um, de-emphasized, I don't know if that's a word, but, um, maybe they've like neglected to talk about pride or greed or things like that. Um, and pornography or other sexual things. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh my gosh, people who, um, are straight. They have lustful thoughts. They sin with their sex ethic too, you know? Um, so I don't know if, if this is making sense, let me, but let me ask you an explicit question. Love, so okay. clarity I think is huge here. Absolutely. Can someone that is same sex attracted, but recognizing God's design and, and trying to fight their, their desires like any other Christian is trying to do, Every Christian has desires that go against God. Can someone who's same-sex attracted that's trying to follow Jesus be in a leadership position at the church? I would say yes. Yes, absolutely. I would also say yes. A hundred percent. And so that we just want to make it clear that, and in fact, I actually was talking to some of, some of our, like the leaders at our church this morning about it. 
And they're saying we've had plenty of people that are same sex attracted that are either celibate trying to pursue singleness or that, uh, that are, that are married, um, to someone of the opposite sex that have would say, Hey, I've, I've struggled with this my entire life and I haven't done it perfectly, but I'm trying to follow Jesus and I'm trying to pursue his way over my own way. And those people have been leaders, elders, pastors, shepherds, and they have done incredible, incredible work for the kingdom of God. And I just think we need to need to celebrate that. And we need to get rid of this stigma and that, that is associated with homosexuality in the church, that this desire for same-sex attraction is different or worse than, than other desires. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that should be celebrated. I mean, that is a group of people who are demonstrating faithfully following Jesus in a specific context of their life. And, you know, whenever we're talking about, uh, we use the word desire or like temptation, things like that. Um, I think one good thing to think about is that, you know, if I say I'm being tempted to do something, um, and we'll keep it even in the sexual category, if I am tempted to look at pornography, well, what's happening there is I'm having some type of sexual desire happening or maybe a desire to escape some type of discomfort, um, heart hardships to get rid of some negative emotion. And there's an aspect of my flesh, the enemy, spiritual force of darkness, whatever culture that's, that's tempting me to act out and to satisfy that desire in a way that like what we're talking about goes against and twists God's original design for acting that out. And so a lot of this is a matter of identifying, um, Hey, these are desires that I have. How do I align it to the truth of how God has designed things and, and actually live out aligning it to that practically? Uh, because whenever you do that, you experience what Jesus calls that abundant life. Uh, and that's, that's kind of the, the challenge of the Christian life um, in, in all avenues. Um, but it, it is about, it's, hey, what are my desires? What is the truth? So now if we're looking to this outside source of truth, which is just a whole nother can open up in, in this topic and just our culture in yeah. general and aligning it with that because it's actually the better way. So before we, before we dive into how the church should take, take the right next step forward in this, in this area, I think it's important to talk about one, one question that I get whenever I have these conversations with people inside the church and especially outside the church, whenever you even just say that, that, same-sex attraction or homosexuality is is against God's original design, what they hear and why they would say it's different than, let's say, pornography, is that it's been so attached and coupled to their identity, to who they are. If you were to ask someone that's that's in a committed homosexual relationship, like committed same-sex relationship, they would say, the first thing, not everyone, but but a lot of them would say, "This is this is my identity. Like this is who I am. Like being a part of this this LGBTQ community is is my identity." So for you to say, "Hey, I I want to love the sinner but hate the sin," which is kind of like a weird cheesy thing that we say a lot, but 
they they're saying, well, I'm actually this sin is actually a, a part of my identity. So how do you address that? Ooh. Um, yeah, that's, that's a hard thing. That is a really <laughs> yeah. heavy thing. Um, and I'd say that even me as a heterosexual person who is married has struggled with like this identity thing. The yeah. fact that I, that I want to be in a committed relationship. Like before I was married, before I was dating, I wanted that. And as a Christian, like that was something that was made to be really important was marriage, marriage and marriage was yeah. the end goal. Um, and so I struggled, but, but, and I didn't want to, and I ended up finding my identity in my husband and the relationship that I was in um, and my sexuality in that way, even as a heterosexual person. Um, and that is just such a shallow view of who we are as humans. Um, and the Lord has created us to be, so much more and do so much more um, than who we are in a relationship. And because I'm in a relationship, I can maybe do, a, maybe be work differently for the kingdom alongside with my husband, but me, myself, like the Lord has called me to live out and do certain things with my life for his kingdom. And that is separate of my sexual identity and is separate of my relationship with my husband. Um, and so really, I think that would be the answer is that we should not reduce ourselves and our identity as human beings that the Lord has created um, to our sexual identity and who we're attracted to. Yeah. And I feel like um, that has been a big loud voice in our culture, um, attraction and sexuality. And so many people straight or gay define themselves by their attraction and their partner and how sexually active they are. Um, and yeah, I just think that that is again, um, a flawed version of the way that we see ourselves. And it's just totally, um, twists our identity into something that will never fulfill us. Like yeah. even if we are in, um, a Christ-centered marriage or relationship, if we place our identity in that relationship, it will never, never wow. fulfill us. That's so. really well said, yeah. Yeah, I think um, that what you just said is a unique challenge and question to answer for the culture that we live in. Uh, because the culture that we live in, uh, it's modern. Um, it's very wrapped up in uh, this term called like expressive individualism. And so it's not just sexuality, it's a lot of other things where we think extremely um, uh, focused on self. And by that, I don't even mean it explicitly, like selfishly, just we think about self, the individual, the autonomous person. Uh, and, and then you pair that with consumerism, which is specifically our, our American Western culture is, is very much in, you start to think through identity, um, looking in both of those lens, it's consumerism and there's an aspect of the, the expressive individual to where, okay, whenever I think about my desires for sexual relationship and intimacy and what I'm attracted to and things like that, uh, it's going to be through the lens of, uh, how, how do I feel? What is, what am I thinking? What's coming from inside of me? And I let that dictate how I ought to go about, um, making decisions and, and living my life in certain ways. Whereas before kind of the modern age rolled around, there's actually, there's two really good books that address this. Um, there's one by a guy named Carl Truman, 
um, that, oh, I just lost it. Um, I can't remember the name of it. Uh, the second one is A Secular Age by Charles Taylor and Carl Truman actually quotes um, uh, from that. But they actually address this this very topic, the fact that we live in a culture that brings unique challenges because we think through the lens of self, self rather than something that's outside that we glean truth from. Uh, and so whenever uh, Jesus, oh yeah, Joanna looked it up for me, Strange New World, um, yep. That's the abridged version. Um, that's a, it's a really good read actually. Um, but yet to tackle that, it's like, that's part of, we follow Jesus in this culture. And so whenever Paul's writing, uh, he's, he's, they're tackling a, a similar lifestyle thing. It, it's, it's gay. It's same sex attraction. It's in a completely different culture. And so they, really weren't wrestling with that question of how does it match my identity? Cause if you hate, you know, hate the sin, but love the sinner, you're actually just hating the sinner because like Josh, you said, the sin is part of that person. Yeah. Um, for, for Paul and them, they wouldn't have thought like that. It's yeah. detached because it's a different culture. Um, that doesn't mean that it doesn't matter for us. It actually means that we really got to wrestle through that and pay attention to that. And, and really, especially coming from a straight, Christian guy, I have to do the work to understand that view, not just for myself, but for anybody who is same-sex attracted, who is gay, uh, in order to have a really good conversation with them to understand where they are coming from on that. And so that we can both talk about that, that aspect of we realign ourselves to God's design, whether it's some expressive individualism that gets played out in my life as a straight person or somebody else who is gay. And just playing off of that a little bit, we are coming from different worldviews. From a um, biblical perspective, I would argue that the Bible, first and foremost, says our identity is in Christ. Like we go back to Genesis 1 and 2, um, and we look at how we are created in the image of God, and that is what defines us as human beings. Every single human being on this planet who has ever lived and whoever will live is created in the image of God. And that is what makes them unique. That is what, um, it, it brings them and, and takes them apart from any other aspect of creation. And so when we are taking other things about ourselves and, and clinging on to those for our identity, that's when there's some, um, uh, th- that aspect of different worldviews comes in because from that Christian worldview, we are thinking of every single human as, oh, you're in the image of God and that's what defines you. Um, but then when we come from a different worldview of, oh no, like my sexuality defines me or my age or my race or my gender or all of these things, then um, that's where we have to, as Christians, um, take in and put in that work of, okay, how can we have a conversation and and where are our differences and in, in um, where do we find our, our truth? Um, and I think that plays into it too. Um, because as Christians, we should not be, um, you know, making claims based on what we feel. (laughs) Um, our, um, uh, doctrine, our beliefs should all be rooted in scripture and the word of God. Um, and and that's, that's going to be different coming from someone, um, with a different perspective. Yeah. And so for sake of time, I do wish we could have diving a little deeper into some of the scriptures. There is some controversy over this Greek word, arsenikoite. I think a better place to go would be Romans 1. I think we can find a little more clarity there. And then as we said, like 
from a biblical doctrine standpoint, we, we, we do as Christians plant our flag in uh, Genesis one and two in his original design. But again, for sake of time, we might have a whole nother podcast episode about that. As you've already noticed, this episode is going longer than usual. We're going to keep going, but we're going to kind of pivot a little bit. And I want to know how as Christians do we take the right step forward? And maybe a good place to start would be to ask the question historically, or even in just over the past decades to a century, how has the church botched it when it comes to relationships with this community? Gosh, I feel like we kind of touched on it earlier, but just to bring it back, I feel like the church has taken this specific topic and said, oh my goodness, the people who are practicing a homosexual lifestyle are the worst. Um, And like really bringing that up and amplifying that. Um, And that has caused a lot of, um, I think, like singling people out um, and has caused a lot of harm in that sense. Um, It makes me think of, the lepers back in uh, like the old Testament, but also even back when Jesus was, was on, on this earth that the lepers were seen as these, these outcasts that they were in a sense unclean or you didn't want to associate with them or their disease, their skin disease was, was worse than, than anything else. And so basically it created this divide between Israel and, and these lepers. What I think is really cool is that, that when Jesus was here, he actually not only went up to them, but engaged with them and even laid his hands on them, which would have been seen as just unbelievable. It would have been, Jesus would have in himself been been deemed unclean by touching a leper, but he wasn't afraid to, to walk in those places, walk in the places that all the other religious people were afraid to go. He wasn't afraid to to go there and and build those relationships and remind them of their true identity and their wholeness and and those type of things and he didn't let this this thing that was seen as socially like outcast uh, push him away from them and so that being said how can we as as Christians going forward be like Jesus to the LGBTQ community. Yeah, that's, um, I think literally just what you're saying, looking to how Jesus interacts with people, um, especially people who, are, who would be considered, they were not following him yet, even just generally. Um, how does he interact with them and modeling that, um, which is something that I think in decades, hundreds years or however long past, the church hasn't done well. We've, the church has really clung to truth that's said in scripture without f- acting it out, living it out the way Jesus did. Um, but some things that come to my mind that a lot of times can like really aggravate me <laughs> as far as how, Hey, how do we as Christians interact with anybody, um, who, who place themselves in the gay community? Um, first and foremost, do the hard work to understand that side, whether it's, uh, engaging with people, asking questions, um, befriending people who are in the gay community and do and read, like literally learn about what that even means. Because I hear so many people throw out terms and things about 
what it means to be gay and stuff. And they have no idea what they're talking about. And it's because they're being intellectually lazy in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so do the hard work of being intellectually honest um, and to be genuinely curious uh, with people because we are engaging with another person. Like imagine if, if you're a Christian and you, there's some area of life where uh, it's like you have this, what you'd call quote unquote, like a struggle with some type of desire. And then everybody else around you treats you and looks at you like, oh, because, because you struggle with looking at pornography, you are like excluded from all these things. And there's just like this tier of sin that you have reached. That's like, Hey man, it's just, you can't be a part of anything. Mm-hmm. Like just actually imagine if that happened. That is ridiculous. <laughs> well, it would make you want to one, either not be there and run as far away as possible, which we've seen a lot. Uh, or it would make you want to hide that. It'd make you want to not be vulnerable or authentic in a community that's supposed to be a place where you can talk about these things, a place that you're supposed to be like real before others and before God and, and not be judged. And, and this idea of grace is supposed to be prevalent in this community. And if that were the case, which which it has been with with the LGBTQ community like it's no surprise that that the church is the last place that they would ever want to step foot in it's no surprise that those who have same-sex attraction hide it at all costs and so yeah we need to break that that stigma we need to like do away with with this idea that that what that community is is dealing with and the desires that they have is something to be avoided or filled with shame or not talked about. I think also um, not getting on our high horse and um, causing further division and thinking, oh, these people are less than and we are higher, you know, Um, and recognizing that we are all sinners and um, no person is an exception of that. And it is only by God's grace that, um, that, our, our sins have been covered and, and that we um, can be in the, the body of Christ. And, and just because someone is a Christian does not mean they are better than any other person. The best man in our wedding, someone that I, w- I would have called my best friend for, for a long, long time. He taught me so much in ministry. He was my closest friend. He was a person I trusted more than than anything else than anyone else in the world he had he was same sex attracted and he had been his whole life and i had no idea our entire friendship i had no idea because we both went to a church that that was not talked about we both went to a church where that was deemed as unclean or different or less than and so for our entire friendship he's my my best friend best man in my wedding he never told me and then after some life circumstances and this these kind of things started coming out, the church pushed him away. He literally had to move cities because his community said he's no longer welcome there. The church treated him as an outcast. And so he, he moved cities and said, well, this LGBTQ community accepts me. They're, they're not judging me. They, they listen to me. And so... He's like, these are my people now. And a, and a huge part of that is the way the church treated him. And it kills me 
it, it drives me crazy that that the church would would treat somebody like that. And so we have to we have to be better than that. Yeah. And we have to be a church that is filled with grace. Yes, we can call call sin sin, but recognizing that we are all beggars in need of bread that are just trying to tell other people, "Hey, this is where where I found this source of life. This is where I found this new identity. This is where I found this new hope." And whatever you're dealing with, although it might be different than me, and although I might not be able to understand the depths of your struggles and your desires, let's try our best to just do this together as we stumble our way into heaven. Mm-hmm. It's not going to look perfect. It's not going to be easy. We're going to mess up, but let's continue to try and take steps towards Jesus, towards the throne, and, and love each other along the way. Yeah, that's good. And I know there's so much that that can be said and so many kind of details that we could talk about. And and again, depending on <laughs> response to this episode, we might do a follow-up episode down, down the road. But let's say there's a, well, this is where we'll end. If there's someone that's gay or in the LGBTQ community or same-sex attracted listening to this, this episode right now, what do you want them to leave with? What do you want them to hear? I would want them to hear that uh, Jesus came. He, he stepped into our humanness in order to engage with us and to give us the model of what it means to be truly human. Uh, and that I hope that they expect Christians to follow that model, that we would step into their life story, join, like you said, into relationship, into friendship with them, um, not to fix anything, but to understand and yet to have that relationship and be willing to to actually go about doing that. Um, I hope that's your expectation, and I hope that you can even if it's coming and talking to us about where you haven't seen that modeled um, to express frustration and even allow us um, or anybody that we know be that model. God does not hate you. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, I think so. I've seen friends that um, are filled with so much, um, grief that I think has, um, caused them to turn to apathy because, um, they identify as part of the LGBTQ community and they are under the impression that they could never be a Christian because God hates them. And, um, yeah, God, God created you and he loves you. That's good. Well, whether you listen to this and you believe that or, or have a really hard time believing that, Please don't be afraid to to come talk to us. If uh, if you don't want to come to the church, DM us. We'd love to meet up with you somewhere, somehow. We just want to listen um, and hear your story. And so, again, I know there's probably things we said that might have offended you. I know there's things we probably could have said better. Um, and I know there's a lot, lots of things that we didn't get to address. But um, we want to keep having this this conversation. And we do want you to know that that you are loved. And so uh, we do love you. And until next time, grace Grace and peace. peace.